Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to 1 Samuel chapter 2, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2. We continue our study through the Old Testament. Now, remember where we left off last week. Hannah was once barren, and now she's received her son. The Lord honored her prayer. And remember, in last week's study, she gave her son to the Lord in service unto him, to be put in service unto him. And so we begin our study here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. In verse 1, and Hannah prayed. Now let's pause here for a moment. This is a big deal. Let's just pause here for a moment and reflect back just for a moment. Do you remember her prayer from a couple years ago? Now, I say a couple years ago in the based on our you know time frame in scripture, but it was just last week's study. And I don't know how Samuel's age, what it was when he was weaned, but there was a sort uh, this period of time for Hannah to physically mother him, to nurse her son. And she gives her son to the Lord, and her mothering is no longer physical, it becomes spiritual. She can pray for him, she can intercede for him. And we have to remember this reality in our study through the life of Samuel. Where, you know, uh, 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 the Lord is at work and, you know, doing things in and through the life of Samuel. But in the background, there's mama. In the background, there's mama. And it's so beautiful. Now, for parents, you know, if you're listening and you're a parent, you know, your kids, they're going to get older. They're going to leave home. But, you know, you can stay in the background of their life praying for them. You see? And so we go back several years to Hannah's prayer from our study last week in chapter one, when she couldn't have kids. She was hurt. She was in pain. She was ridiculed and she was grieved. And remember, she went to the Lord in prayer. So beautiful. And so now we fast forward several years because I met, you know, she became pregnant. She had to wait, you know, nine months. I don't know if it was exactly nine months, but she had to wait nine months, give or take a couple days. And then, you know, uh, uh, nine months and then like the, the, the period of weaning. And then, you know, and then she gives her, her little Samuel to the Lord. Now, there's that process of time. I say process, but it's a period of time where, you know, certain things are happening. And so we reflect back on her prayer from last week when she's in pain. And now look, another moment where she's in prayer. And, you know, and so in verse one, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. (laughs) It's so beautiful. I mean, sometimes in our own prayer lives, we're just so full of pain and full of angst and worry. And we pray and in the aftermath of what the Lord does, we can pray again. And rejoice. Never forget, there's always the the aftermath of what the Lord does in response to prayer. Never forget that. Don't forget, prayer has a formula. Go and listen to our studies through the book of James. You'll understand more. Effectuation. Remember when when Brother James says you ask and you don't have, you you ask and you don't receive. Why? Because you ask amiss. The formula is not right. But when the formula is right, Oh my goodness. I like to say, you know, uh, put on your seatbelt because the Lord moves. And praise be to the Lord because, you know, it's like Hannah, you see her brokenness in our last week's study several years ago in the life of Hannah. But for us, we're kind of spoiled. You know, it was just last week's study in chapter one. 
She was in pain and grieved. And she goes to the Lord. And now look, we fast forward into her future. And here she is praying once again. Not to say that it was just that prayer and then this prayer. You know, there was a bunch of prayers in between. But now she rejoices. Now she rejoices. It's so lovely. You see? And what's so beautiful to remember in the life of Hannah is that, you know, in her pain, in her hurt, in her anger even, remember, you know, she had that irritation, but she didn't respond in the flesh. She didn't run to the therapist. She didn't run to the bottle. She didn't run for the, to the, to the quick fix to try and feel better. She went to the Lord. You see? And the Lord answered. And now she's rejoicing. And so we see here, she says in her prayer, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. Now, horn in the Hebrew is likened to strength and power. And Hannah, this isn't self-exaltation at all. She's just saying, she's not saying like, oh, look at me, I'm powerful now. No, that's not how we, we read this in the Hebrew. What happens is that, you know, have you ever been so overtaken by pain? by hurt, by anguish. You've been so overtaken by pain that your legs can no longer support your weight. Have you ever been so overwhelmed by hurt, by pain, that the very legs that you walk on, you skip on, you run on, you're so overwhelmed by pain that they just buckle by the weight. You wake up in the morning, seems like a regular day, and then boom, you're punched in the gut with devastating news. And you crumble to the floor because your legs, they simply can't support the weight of your body. As your strength leaves, and you hurt, you grieve, you're in anguish. This is, it's, it happens in life. It's part of our journey in life. It's things that happen in life. But don't forget, for the saint, death has no sting. You see? Eternity begins when we come to Christ. And there's that, you know, passage into, uh, 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 from flesh to spirit. In the spiritual sense, but also in the physical sense. But in this world, there will be tribulation. In this world, there will be sorrow. And to be so overtaken by the pain, that's like, boom, you know, your legs just give out from underneath you. You see? Where the day of, it hurts, and it hurts bad. But in the course of time, something happens. Strength returns. Strength returns. But it's different. It's not like before. You know why it's different? Because it's strength in the Lord. You see? You remember her hurt? Do you remember with Hannah? Do you remember her hurt from last week's study? Her pain from last week's study? And now look in this prayer. My horn is exalted in the Lord, she says. You see? She's no longer hurting. She says this, she says, I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Notice, she doesn't say that her enemies are gone. She doesn't say like, okay, all my enemies are gone. No, she says, I smile at them. I smile at my enemies. You see? Her enemies have been reduced to nothing. So much so that 
She's rejoicing in the Lord, in his salvation. She says in verse 2, she says, No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty, the bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Notice the reversal of something that Hannah sees and acknowledges in her prayer, where the formerly mighty, like in verse four, the bows of the mighty are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Where you know the the formerly mighty, no longer mighty. Formerly weak, no longer weak. And verse five, those. Who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. You see, the, the reversal. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. In verse 8, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. Major, major, major prophetic implications here. Because the saint will be lifted up one day. You see? There is an inheritance that awaits the faithful. Major prophetic implications to this Beautiful prayer of beautiful Hannah. Notice what we see here. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the end, the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now, we do see this with David, a future king. But, you know, we see the Lord do this with also with the son of David and son of man. A foreshadowing of the coming Messiah. You see? And there are moments in scripture where we see uh, a physical application, but then also a spiritual application, such as this, where you see, you do see a future event in King David, but then you also see a future event with the son of David, King of Kings. This beautiful prayer of Hannah, major prophetic implications to her prayer captured in the canon of scripture where the word becomes flesh and the saint beholds the beauty of our Lord. Now, as wonderful as that is, and it absolutely is, understand that the foundation of this beautiful witness of Hannah, the very foundations, it's pain. It's hurt. It's deep pain. And then, It's the Lord, the Lord. He's the one who raised her up, you see? 
Never forget. I mean, we see this. Wow, this is so beautiful prayer. We we see this prayer. She's acknowledging the Lord. And in her prayer, the very fact that her prayer is captured in Scripture, it's like, whoa, what a beautiful woman. But never, never forget that the foundation, getting to this point, there's pain, deep pain. You see? And she didn't run to the therapist. She didn't run to, you know, the bottle. She didn't run to the quick fix. No. She ran to the Lord. Very important for all of us to understand. We run to the Lord. And so she finishes her prayer. Now let's see what unfolds. In verse 11, Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah. But the child ministered to the Lord before Eli, the priest. So now we see a, a, a shift from the home of Elkanah and we look at the home of Eli, the priest. He's high priest. I wonder, I wonder what his home looks like. This high priest by the name of Eli. I wonder what his home looks like. We continue in verse 12. Now the sons of Eli. Now look what we have here. The high priest has sons. Last week in chapter 1, verse 3, we see the names of these two sons is Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas. And they're priests. And we saw last week how they were present at the sacrifices made unto the Lord. What, what a nice family. What a nice family, don't you think? Dad is high priest. Hophni is priest. Phinehas is priest. What a nice godly family, right? After all, they're, they're doing the work of the Lord, right? Sacrifices, offerings. They're performing the duty. Everything is fine, right? A nice holy family serving God. And this would seem to be the case based on what human eye can see. But what does the Bible say? We see here in verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Whoa. But they're priests. They were there, chapter 1. They were there at the sacrifices. They're priests. You see? The Lord looks at the heart. He knows the heart. He tests the mind. The sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Now, you know what corrupt is in the Hebrew? Translate says the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They were sons of wickedness, sons of evil, sons of destruction. That's, they're priests. Now, you might think that this is the extent of what is wrong. But we're going to see it gets worse. There's something else that's also seen. Remember dear old dad, the high priest from several years ago? And it just, it's several years ago in the, in, 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 you know, on the timeline of scripture. But for us, we're spoiled. It was just last week's study. Dear old dad, high priest Eli, remember from our study last week where Hannah, she was in pain. Understandably so. Rightfully so. She's hurt. She's ridiculed. She has that, you know, she, she's irritated by what she's experiencing. She's got 
Penina on one side. She's got her husband on the other side. And don't forget, you know, uh, the, the dear old dad, the high priest, dear old dad of uh, uh, Hophni and Phineas, the high priest. You know, he's staring at her mouth. She's praying and she's, he's staring at her mouth. Number one, what in the world? What? Let the woman pray. Why is he going to stare at her mouth? Okay. For me, he already creeped me out back in our study in chapter one. For, already, he gives me the creeps. I don't like him. He gives me the creeps. And the high priest, he assumed her to be drunk. And he's the one, Eli, the high priest. He's the one who called her a daughter of Belial. He wrongfully called her a daughter of Belial. When in his own home, there was the real progeny of Belial and his own sons. You see? Good job, Dad. You see? Wickedness in the home of the so-called priesthood. You see? Wickedness. You might wonder why I say so-called priests because, you know, look, they're priests. They're priests. They're, they're performing the duties. They're priests. But what they're not is aboda aboda mishkan. That's what they're not. The formula is wrong. Yeah, they look the part. They act the part. But the formula inside and the Lord looks at the heart, he tests the mind. That's way off. You see? Now, if you're listening for the first time or you haven't been walking with us for a while, go back and listen to our study through Leviticus. You'll understand all about Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. And don't forget the warning labels that came with our studies in Leviticus. When you're in Le before going to Leviticus, look, uh, uh, listen to our study through Galatians and Hebrews and then go to Leviticus. You'll understand a whole lot more with the safety of sound doctrine, with the safety of the new covenant. Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. That's what they don't have, these priests, so-called priests. They dress the part, they act the part, but that's just it. They're acting. And remember, only the clean can clean. So we see this corruption in the priest's sons, but at the same time, we also see corruption in dear old dad, the high priest. How? Through his hypocrisy. You see, Hannah wasn't of Belial. His very sons were. And look what the two sons did in verse 13. <clears throat> and the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So that they so they did in Shiloh to all the to all the Israelites who came there. Now, when the priests would take all of the meat, let me ask you a question. What's for the Lord? The priests would take all the meat. What's left for God? Remember the two transactions that we studied in, we made mention in the we studied in Leviticus, but we make mention you know, all throughout the Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, even in our New Testament studies, New Covenant studies, because it's the same framework. Two transactions. People sacrifice to the Lord, and in the Old Testament days, they would sacrifice to the Lord, and there would be cooking involved. 
and it would be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. And then the Lord would give portions to the priest, and that's a separate transaction. The first transaction is people giving to the Lord. Transaction number two is the Lord giving to the priesthood, provisions from the Lord to the priesthood. Two transactions. And these priests, these priests, sons of the high priest, what a nice holy family. And they did not know the Lord. They were sons of Belial, wickedness, evil. And these priests, instead of receiving a portion from God, they took. They took. And not a portion. They took all. Where's the sweet aroma? Where's the sweet aroma when the very priests are filling their bellies? And I have to be careful here because they make me mad. These so-called priests, they make me mad. The priests... They don't just bug me. They don't just give me the creeps. They make me angry. They make me mad. And with carnal eyes, you know, a person might look at this situation and think, well, it's no big deal. The processes are happening. I'm, I'm doing my air quotes. The processes are happening. No big deal. Surely it's a good thing. You're too hardcore. Lighten up a bit. It's no big deal. Look, the priests, they're really nice guys. Look, these priests, what they're doing is they're playing the part. They dress the part. They even speak the part. But they have no business in the temple. You say, okay, that's the Old Testament. Hold the phone there, my friend. It's just like today. It's just like today. What a nice pastor. This guy over here, what a nice pastor. This guy over here, what a nice pastor. This lady over here, what a nice pastor. This other lady over there, what a nice pastor. Processes are happening. Lighten up a bit. Look, he's a nice guy. She's a nice lady. You see, but it's exactly the same. Pastors who play the part, they dress the part, they speak the part. But they have no business in the pulpit. You see? Formula is way off. No business at the pulpit. The progeny of Belial, sons of wickedness, sons of evil, sons of destruction. Progeny of Belial isn't just reserved for the Old Testament. Because we see it in the New Testament and we see it alive and well today. And it gets even worse. It gets even worse for these two sons of high priest Eli for Hophni and Phineas. They're priests. They're priests. What, what could be so bad? They're priests. Look, they're nice guys. They're doing the work of the Lord. Really? What about the Lord of the work? In verse 15, also, before they burn the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. Now, the priest, what they were doing is they were treating the people like waiters. Let me give you my order. I don't want boiled meat. You know, I, I feel like having nice roasted lamb for dinner tonight. Something good. You know, it sounds good. It's going it's to be nice and good in my belly. So give it to me. You see? 
And along with this wickedness of the priests, the priest's wickedness, it was spreading to the servants because now they're complicit and accessories to the fact. Remember what Paul says, how a little leaven leavens the whole, it spreads. Well, we see that very thing among the so-called priests. You say, why do you say so-called? Well, what we don't see is Aboda, Aboda, Mishkan. You see? And then in verse 16, and if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first. Then you may take as much as your heart desires. Notice, a person comes to sacrifice. A person comes to temple to sacrifice. Offering and sacrifice unto the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. And a person knows what's supposed to happen. Where, you know, a guy says, you know, hey, burn the fat first and then. But notice what happens. Now it becomes confrontational. Because in verse 16, we say, you know, a man says, you know, they should really burn the fat first. Then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, no, but you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. What a piece of work. What a piece of work, these guys. These priests, sons of the high priest. Sons of Eli. What a piece of work. Hophni, Phineas, Eli. Oh, what a nice godly home. Really? You see, if we were to get in a, my time machine and go back to the in this particular day, you know what we'd see? We'd see them dressed up. We'd see them, you know, performing this, performing that. And people would be, oh, look, there's the priesthood. There's the priesthood. But because we know formula, because we know Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan, we know they have no business there. You see? They have no business there. But it's the same with pastors today. Oh, look, what a nice pastor. Oh, look, he's got his nice pastor parking spot. You look at his doctrine, no alignment with scripture. You look at his home, no alignment with scripture. Everybody says, oh, look, what a nice pastor. But because we know formula, just like the time machine, he has no business at the pulpit. You see? Because we know formula, she has no business at the pulpit. Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Hophni, Phineas, their influence on the servants in the temple. And now the, the, the servants, in, you know, they think they're serving the Lord. And they say, well, you know, Hophni, Phineas, they're priests. And so they tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. Look at what they look at what they're doing in verse 16. You know, you give it now, and if not, we're gonna take it by force. You see? It reminds me of elders. It reminds me of deacons. It reminds me of bishops. It reminds me of those in ministry who tie themselves to a defunct pastor. You see? People always say, oh, you know what? Churches are supposed to have a council of elders, a council of elders, a council of elders. And listen, I'm all for a council of elders, but I have a question. Where in the world are they? Oh, look, we got an elder over here, an elder over here. Look, you know, 
You, you got a whole bunch of elders, elder, 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 elder. You got some ladies over here, elders, elders, elders. Oh, look, we got elders all over the place. No, 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 no. I'm talking about where in the world is Abota, Abota, Mishkan formula. Yeah, you got a guy over there who calls himself an elder, but I read the Bible. Hey, that ain't no elder. You see, you got a lady over here who thinks she's an elder. She's treated like an elder, but I read my Bible. No, covering's always male. She has no business, no business to be elder. So yeah, you got elders all over the place, but I'm not talking about run of the mill. I'm talking about formula. Aboda, aboda, mishkan. The formula must be right. Must. Nothing new under the sun. What we see going on in the church today is the same thing was happening back in the day. Exact same thing. Something the Bible warns about. Old Testament, the Bible warns about. New Testament, the Bible warns about. Today, in these last days, the Bible warns about. Where are the ears? Where are those with ears? Where are those with eyes? Eyes to see. You see? These sick, disgusting men, Hophni, Phineas, they have no business in the temple, and yet, there they are. A modern equivalent would be like, you know, a guy says, a pastor standing at the pulpit, if you tithe a thousand dollars, the Lord will give you tenfold in return. And then somebody says, oh, but hold on a second, pastor, that's not right. That's not right. And then the elder says, if you won't give, we're going to take it. It's the modern equivalent to the money preacher. You see, mistreating Sacrifice and offering unto the Lord. Two transactions. Don't forget two transactions. And Old Testament, New Testament, and still today. Holy matters are treated with unholiness. Holy matters are treated with unholiness by the progeny of Belial. Sons of wickedness. Daughters of wickedness. You see? It continues today. It's not reserved for, you know, here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 2. It's not just 1 Samuel chapter 2. You see? In verse 17, therefore the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord. Remember, the Lord sees. He sees it all. The sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. That's terrible. When the offering of the offering unto the Lord, sacrifice unto the Lord, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. The, the, the means by which a person is clean. Old covenant, there's, you know, rules of engagement of the old covenant, rules for cleansing in the old covenant. But as new covenant believers, same thing. Rules and order. I mean, not same thing in terms of like, you know, it's, it's not the law. It's in the fulfillment of the law where a priest, a priest where the formula is right, Aboda, Aboda, Mishkan, can say, okay, let's get you cleaned up. But the priest can't be a hypocrite. The priest can't be dirty. He has to be clean because only the clean can clean. New covenant, a pastor as new covenant believers, hey, 
You have sin? Okay, let's get you cleaned up. But the pastor can't be a hypocrite. Only the clean can clean. You see? Let's get you cleaned up. But in the absence of that, how are people cleaned? How are people to be clean? You see? And so we look at verse 18, but Samuel, I'm so in love with Samuel. I'm so in love with Mama Hannah. But Samuel, verse 18, but Samuel, but Samuel, but Samuel. In the midst of all this mess we see in the temple, in the midst of all this mess that we see with the priests, remember, we're in the judges' era. We're in the Judges era. And we just got done with our study in the book of Judges. I mean, right before the book of Ruth. But in the Judges era, everyone was doing right in their own eyes. Everybody doing what is right in their own eyes. Sure, we got the priests. Look at them. Look at them. Remember the priest of Micah turned over to idolatry? Remember the perverted priest with his sexual desires who had his wife, but as concubine, remember? Remember how this perverted priest, how he literally threw her to the wolves and she was gang raped all night and then she died. Remember? Remember how he cut up her body? Sure, we got the priests, good old priests. Look at them. Look at them. Corrupt. Defiled. Filthy. And in the midst of all this mess, all this ruin, all this destruction, we see in verse 18, but Samuel, <laughs> progeny of righteousness. You see? Mama Hannah. But Samuel, we see in verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Now, I, just this verse alone, I love so much. I love this so much because, you know, for me, I love baby clothes. I like baby clothes because you look at baby clothes and they're so cute. They got that, you know, they're tiny. They're got, you know, they're fun to look at. I mean, you're, you, you see them at the store. You see them, you know, it's just, oh, this is so cute. Look at these pants. Look at these little suspenders. Look at these little pockets. They got baby hands. They can't even use the pockets, but the pants got little pockets. They got, you know, and sometimes they're like little heart-shaped pockets. It's, I melt. But then when it's actually worn, when it's put on a baby, and they got the little hat and the little flowers and the little choo-choo trains and all this, I, I, I melt. And in the life of Samuel, all this mess in the priesthood, little Samuel, with his little ephod, you see, beautiful, beautiful. Moreover, in verse 19, his mother used to make him a little robe. And bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. I'm so in love with Hannah. Mama Hannah. I'm so in love with Mama Hannah. I'm so in love with little Samuel. And I can just imagine Mama Hannah. Full of joy during the year. 
full of joy during the year. She's no longer sad and sorrowful and somber. No, no, no. The Lord lifted her up. The horn of strength has returned. And it's the strength of the Lord. And during the year, I could just picture her sitting down, knitting, sewing, praying, singing, rejoicing. Because she would make him a little robe. And she sees her little boy once a year. You see? She sees her little boy once a year. Samuel, my boy, my precious son, Samuel. Look, I made you this robe. You say, like, man, that's so sad. She only sees her son once a year. But don't get me wrong. Every second of the year, she bathes him in prayer. You see, mama as covering for her child. Mama as covering for her child. And the child down the road would later be covering for Israel. How beautiful is this? What we see unfolding right before our eyes, captured in the canon of Scripture, turn the pages white. Make the pages of Scripture, Holy Scripture, make them white as every jot, every tittle goes in our eye holes as we read Scripture. Or if you're listening and, you know, so I know we have listeners that, you know, are listening and, you know, you might not have a Bible, but you're listening. You know, I know some truck drivers, you know, they... They like the long sermons. You know, some people say, well, this is pretty long. But the truckers, they really like it because they can, you know, one sermon, they, they drop their load off and, you know, one sermon. And then they come back and another sermon and boom, they're home again. And praise be to the Lord what we see happening, what we see unfolding. And we say, make the pages white. And if you're listening, you know, the word of God goes in our little ear holes and boom, right down to our heart. You see? On the tablets of your heart, just as Paul says, on the tablets of your heart. Not the law of the old tablets, the tablets in your heart. See? It's so beautiful what we see. And look at verse 20 here. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman. Now, this is Eli, the high priest, would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. Or, you know, that's what he would say, you know, for, for the loan that was given to the Lord. And they would have Elkanah and his wife. Then they would go to their own home. Now, don't forget, Eli, he's high priest. He's still performing the duties of high priest. But what we're about to see is Formula is way off base. You know, I say what we're about to see, but we've already seen it. Formula is way off base. And so Elkanah and his wife, Elkanah and Hannah, they would go to their own home. And in verse 21, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So beautiful. So beautiful what we see in the canon of scripture. These beautiful people, men, women, young, old. There's something different about Hannah. There's something different about Samuel. We look back in our study in Judges. There's something different about Ehud. There's something different about Deborah. 
There's something different about Jephthah. There's something different about Jephthah's daughter. We look at Ruth. There's something different about Boaz. There's something different about Ruth. There's something different about Naomi. Remnant. You see? And we see that the Lord is at work. And so we look at this matter of the priesthood in verse 22. Now, Eli was very old. Don't forget, he's high priest. He has his priest sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel. Very interesting. Look at what we see here. Eli, high priest, he knew about his sons. He heard about all of it. And if what we saw with sacrifice and offering, if that wasn't bad enough, what we read in our earlier verses, if that wasn't bad enough, look what else his sons were doing. Priests, Hophni and Phinehas. Look at what his sons were doing. Priests. Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. These guys disgust me. They make me sick. They gross me out. Oh, how dare you say that? How dare you say that? The Lord's anointed. The Lord's anointed. Well, let me ask you a question. Where's anointing? Where's the anointing? These guys make me sick. Picture a family for a moment. Just for a moment. Picture a family. And there's sin in their home. And then the dad in the home, he fully acknowledges the sin. And the dad, he understands what has to happen. He knows what has to happen. And so the dad takes his daughter and they go to temple together. And it's the sin of a sexual nature. His daughter defiled herself. And so he, the dad knows exactly what has to happen. And the dad has, you know, made the, the efforts to get his house clean, but there's more. He has to, you know, be clean before the Lord. And so he goes to the Lord. He has a sacrifice and this sin of sexual nature. And the dad has with them, the dad and the daughter, they go to temple. And the dad has with him his sacrifice unto the Lord. Offering unto the Lord. And then the dad says to his daughter, they're at the temple. The dad says, hey, wait here. Wait here. I'm going to take care of this matter so that our home can be clean and that you can be clean and that our home can be right before the Lord. And so the daughter says, okay, pops. And she waits right there. The dad goes in and, hmm, that's interesting. He walks in with this animal. And he looks around, he's, oh, that's interesting. Where's Hophni? I don't see priest Hophni. Where's Phineas? I don't see priest Phineas. And so the priest servant comes to the man like he's a waiter. And then the, the priest servant comes here, he's serving in temple. And he says to the dad, he says, oh, listen, we don't want to boil this. We're going to roast it. And you know, let's not, let's never mind the fat. The, the, the priest, you know, Hophni and Phineas, they say that this is a good thing. Phineas and Hophni, they like it like this. They like the roast like this. And the dad says, well, what about the fat? 
because the dad, he can't, he, he, he knows, you know. And so the dad says, well, what about the fat? And then the sir, you want to argue with the priests? They're the priests and you're not. Are you Levite? This is how it is. And if you don't like it, tough. We're going to take it from you. And so the dad is, okay. And he moves over to the side and stands in line with all the other dads. They all have their animals. Whatever animal it is. I mean, not whatever animal, but whatever animal according to scripture. You know, depending on, you know, it could be an ox, could be turtle dove, could be, you know, a uh, 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 lamb, you know, depending on, you know, go back and listen to our study through Leviticus, you'll understand. And so you have like a bunch of dads standing there, you know, in line, you know, doing their sacrifice and offering and already right off the bat, oh, look, Hophni's not there, Phineas isn't there. The servant says this, it's okay, we're We'll go with the flow. We'll go with the status quo. Whatever you say, because, hey, you know, you, you, you serve in the temple. You know your stuff. So, okay, you know, we're going to do like you say, because, you know, you're supposed to be honoring the Lord. And so, okay, we're going to do it like you say it. You have your degrees on the wall. You have your, you know, your, your, your certificates on the wall. Surely you know your stuff. So you have a long line of dads with their animals. Meanwhile, the daughters are at the door. You know who else is there? Priest Hophni, Priest Phineas. They're there with the daughters. And the priests, they like the sex. And instead of going temple, instead of going to the temple to get clean, the people, they go to the temple to get filthy. They become more dirty. They become defiled. You see? The offering, it's a mess. It's not in accordance to Scripture what the Lord says in Leviticus. It's not in accordance to Scripture. They take all the meat. What's for the Lord? Remember the two transactions. What are they doing? They're taking from the Lord. People's homes, there's sin in their home, be it, you know, sex, whatever it is. In this example, we use sex, but I mean, it could be, you know, something else. The guys come in, they say to, you know, their wives, they say to the daughters, hey, you guys stay here. They go in. Good old Hophni, good old Phineas. What are they doing? They're doing the sex. They go to the ladies and they do their sex. Whew. I got to be careful. I don't like these guys. <laughs> I don't like these guys at all. They make me sick. They disgust me. And they make me angry. It's not just in 1 Samuel chapter 2. We see it all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and we still see it today. Priests. Old Testament. New Testament, pastors, elders, so-called shepherds. We see it today. So-called pastors, so-called shepherds, so-called elders. And they defile themselves. And those who follow them, they also defile themselves. Why? By submitting to the wrong 
guy. You see? Nothing new under the sun. Now remember, we're in the judge's era here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. We're in the judge's era where the Lord has become forgotten time and time again. And remember what we're seeing here in verse these verses here? The high priest, Eli, he knew about it. He knew all along. Notice what Eli says to his sons here in verse 23. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil doings, or your evil dealings from all the people. Eli knows his sons are involved with these evil dealings. And yet, remember our study from last week? Eli knows about it and Eli has the nerve to accuse Hannah of being a daughter of Belial? He willfully plays the hypocrite. His own sons are sons of Belial. And he accused Hannah of that? You see? We stress formula for a reason. I mean, the formula must be right. It must be right. Of course, accounting for babies. The formula must be right. When the formula is wrong, do not expect discernment. Do not expect order. Do not expect holiness. Expect the progeny of Belial. Sometimes people, oh, you're, you're too hardcore about this. You're too hardcore about that. You're too hardcore about this guy's a nice guy. This lady's a nice lady. So what if she wants to be a pastor? Look, she's on TBN and she has all these listeners, all these followers. And look, she's on TBN tricking believers nightly. She wants to be a pastor. The Lord called her to be a pastor. You see, we're living in the last days. And this is easy stuff. I mean, you, you you see like strong delusion spreading and it's getting crazy. It's getting crazier and crazier and crazy. But this is a walking apart in the park. And I don't say that pridefully or boastfully. I don't say it like that at all, but this is a walk in the park. There's going to be, the Bible says, there's going to be a world figure who brings fire down from heaven. He draws fire down from heaven. The deception is going to be powerful, very powerful. The only ones who will discern is the remnant. That's it. You think, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, you know, so I I'm good to go. Hold the phone there. Apostasy is prophesied. A defection away from the truth. See? Look at Eli. He's high priest. He's high priest with no discernment. Why? Formula's off. Wrong formula, Eli. Good job, Eli. You did a good job with your kids, Eli. He's a fool. He willfully plays the hypocrite. You see? Don't forget, we're in the judge's era. 
It's no wonder the Lord became forgotten. Look at the priesthood. Look what Eli says here in verse 24. Eli knows that his sons are doing evil things, wickedness. He says in verse 24, no, my sons, exclamation point. No, my sons, it sounds good. Oh, what a good dad. He's correcting his kids. No, my sons, for it is not, it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. Notice what we see. Eli knows. Eli knows what his kids are doing. Eli knows the effect on the people. Eli knows that the people, the Lord's people, God's people are in transgression because of his wicked sons. And you might think, oh, it's a good thing. Look, the dad is confronting his sons. That's a good thing. But you know what we see? All talk. That's what we see. All talk. No action. He's all talk. He's all talk. All talk, no walk. And so high priest Eli continues. In verse 25, if one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Notice what we see. High priest Eli, he's aware. Priest Hophni is aware. Priest Phineas is aware. They know the wages. They know the penalty. And there's no fear of the Lord. All three, dear old dad and dear old sons, they're all in the priesthood. And you have priests who do not fear the Lord. They do not fear the Most High. They do not fear the Lord, God of Israel. And then verse 26, and the child Samuel, <laughs> you see, like all this mess, it's like, whoa, I can't believe this happened. And boom, Samuel, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and men. You see, the people, they see the witness, the countenance. The, you know, a, a guy knows the, the countenance of Samuel, where a guy knows, like, Hophni and Phineas. I can't leave my daughters with them. I can't leave my wife with them. You know, I cannot. I got to watch them like hawks because they're wicked. You know, they're stupid men. Hophni and Phineas, I can't leave my wife. I can't leave the kids. I can't. Hophni and Phineas, they're not coming near anybody. But with Samuel? But with Samuel? You see? The people see. And the Lord sees. We cannot forget what's happening in the background of Samuel's life. You know what else we see with eyes to see? Mama Hannah praying. Praying for her beautiful son. Praying for her firstborn. You see? 
In verse 27, then a man of God came to Eli. So a man of God comes to high priest Eli. And for me, I have my suspicions on who this might be. But we, you know, here in scripture, we, we, we know it's a man of God. But I have my suspicions on who it is. So a man of God. He pays a visit to Eli and said to him in verse 27, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest? To offer upon my altar to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Remember, he's speaking to the high priest, this man of God speaking to the high priest. Verse 29. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling, pa- in my dwelling place, and honor your son's More than me. Notice, honor your sons more than me. Honor your sons more than me. We'll say it again. Honor your sons more than me. I want to say something to pastors who have kids in ministry. Pastors with sons who are pastors. Pastors with sons who are elders, pastors with kids on the worship team, pastors with family who are in ministry and they're together. If that's you, count the cost, pastor. Count the cost. Because everybody, they must all fear the Lord, pastor. Count the cost, pastor. With high priest Eli, he honored his sons more than the Lord. And you know what? The Lord, he doesn't share honor. This man of God, speaking to the high priest Eli, you, Eli, I mean, we see the wickedness of his sons. Eli, the high priest, we see the wickedness of his sons. But the buck stops with dad. The buck stops with the high priest. You, Eli, the priest is telling him, you kick at my sacrifice, my offering, and this is my dwelling place. And you, Eli, you honor your sons more than me. Notice what we see here in verse 29. You honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat. To make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. That's how you want to behave? That's how you want to behave, high priest? You got your certificates on the wall. You got your degrees. You went to this seminary. You got this. You got that. That's nice. This is how you want to behave? Remember, they would treat the people like waiters. You know, I don't want the boil. I want the roast. You see, like they're taking orders, you know, what they want to eat. When the whole time it belongs to the Lord. Not a part of it, all of it. It belongs to the Lord. 
in the separate in transaction number two, the Lord says, okay, priesthood, this is a portion for you. All of it is for the Lord. And these sons of Belial, look at what they're doing. And the Lord is witness. The Lord sees and the Lord is calling them on it. I have, listen, if you're a pastor and you're listening and, you know, your son is co-pastor, your, you know, your daughter, daughter's on the worship team, you know, or your daughter is like, you know, uh, 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 like a, 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 a teacher or your daughter. Listen, I have, all I'm saying is this, the formula, the formula, it better be right in all of them because what's happening, it's, it's been happening for, you know, century is when church is treated like a family business. Like it's like, like church is like, you know, a, a shoe store where, you know, the, you know, you have the dad who's the CEO and then the sons are, you know, the partners in the business and then the daughters are being raised up and they become partners. They treat it like a business. Listen, it's the Lord's business. Church, the Lord's business, 100%. Head pastor, Jesus Christ. If you're a pastor and your son is co-pastor, you have sons who are elders and daughters that are, uh, help in ministry, Everybody, the formula must be right. The formula must be right. If not, repent and stand down. Repent and step away. If you don't, stand by. Look, the status quo with Eli, he's high priest. The status quo, the whole time he knew about it, week, day by day, and week by week, and month by month, and year by year, the whole time he knew. And now, high priest Eli, he's an old man. And the Lord is calling him on it. You want to behave like that? You want to conduct yourselves like that? The people make sacrifice and offering and you want to call 100% of it yours? You want to make yourself fat off of offerings that are the Lord's? That's what you want to do? Okay. Okay. You made your choice. Okay. Notice in verse 30. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed, that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now, the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You know in the Hebrew, lightly esteemed, you know what that is? Those who despise me shall be cursed. Whoa. Look at this change we see in verse 30. When verse 30, you know, I said, past tense, past tense, past tense. I said that you'd walk before me forever. But now, present tense, far be it from me. You see? Yeah, I said this, you'd walk before me forever. Yeah, I said that. But now, it's not happening. It's just like we see in Numbers. Did the Lord change his mind? Not at all. What happened? The high priest changed his heart. Wrong formula. 
Wrong formula, no effectuation. Because look, we could we could look at verse 30 where you know the Lord God of Israel says, says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. And a lot of times people read these promises of God and they run with it. And listen, it's not a bad thing to take the promises of the Lord and run with it. That is a beautiful thing. Only this, the formula has to be right inside of you and inside of me. It has to be right. Look at look at the high priest. Look at Eli, the high priest. Oh, the Lord said that. My house and the house of my father would walk before the Lord forever. That's what the Lord says. It's a promise of the Lord. It is written. Boom, I'm running with it. You see? When the formula inside of the high priest changes, when the formula in the high priest no longer fears the Lord, you see, we're in verse 30. I said, indeed, that your house, I said, past tense said, yeah, that was said. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. You see? Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me, I will curse. No effectuation, no formula. You say, wait a second, he's high priest. He's high priest. That's nice. Oh, you're too rigid. You're too rigid. God is a respecter of persons now. He never changes. The Lord never changes. Notice what we see in this chapter. We see blessing and we see curse. We see blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. You know what that reminds me of? It's exactly what we see in our study in Deuteronomy 28. My truck driver friends really love Deuteronomy 28. They can do a whole they can pull a whole lot of load in Deuteronomy 28. That was a long one. Remember Deuteronomy 28? The Lord, he's just doing what he said he would do. He's just doing exactly to the T what he said he would do. And it's the priest that should know. The priest know better. We see blessing and we see curse in this chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 2. We see blessing, we see curse. But where is obedience? Where is obedience? We look at Mama Hannah. We look at beautiful Samuel. And we see the Lord, he's with them. Why? Because them, they, they, they're with the Lord. You see? Blessing upon Hannah because the Lord blesses obedience. Curses on Eli. Why? Disobedience. And so the man of God continues speaking to high priest Eli. Verse 31. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. 
and verse 32, and you will see an enemy in my dwelling place. Despite all the good which God does for Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be assigned to you. That will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. High priest, you want to behave like this? This offering that's 100% to the Lord in this first transaction, 100% is supposed to be for the Lord and you want to take 100% and give the Lord nothing? Number one, the formula is wrong because 100% of it is for the Lord. But if you want to be so wicked and take 100% of it for yourself and at the same time you still give the Lord nothing, you want to behave like that? You want to treat the people making sacrifices and offering that you want to treat them like, like they're waiters taking your order that you don't want the boil. You want the, you want the roast, the daughters at the gate. You want to do the sex with them. Okay. Okay. Remember the Lord is reactionary. The Lord is reactionary. But we have the promises of God where the priests in the promises of God that the house of the priesthood would walk before the Lord forever. Yeah, that's a promise of the Lord. That's a promise of the Lord. When the formula is right, absolutely. That's a promise of the Lord. When the formula is wrong, far be it from the Lord. That ain't happening. You see? Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me, I will curse. Thus saith the Lord. You want to do the sex? The, the women, they come to temple and you want to do the sex? Okay. Okay. You want to behave like that? Okay. Now it's my turn to react is what the Lord is saying. Now it's my turn to react, to respond. You want to behave like this? Okay. I'm going to come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And they're going to die. Both of them. Again, two pastors in ministry together with their children. Count the cost. Count the cost. It's the Lord's business. It's not your business. It's the Lord's business. And he's holy. He doesn't share honor. And so this man of God continues in verse 35. He says, Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever. My anointed, you know what that is in the Hebrew? Mashiach. Mashiach, Messiah. The question is this. Where are the faith, faithful priests? 
Where in the world are the faithful shepherds? Where in the world can be found Aboda Aboda Mishkan? Where? It is written, the Lord says, verse 35, he, the Lord has said what he's going to do. The Lord has revealed to us what he's going to do. When you follow that line, remember our, our study in Ruth, that holy lineage, and how that lineage uh, turned into a matter of faith, heirs of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. And even still to this day, where can be found Aboda Aboda Mishkan? Service unto the Lord, the faithful shepherd. And in verse 36, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, Please, please put in me one of the priestly positions. Put me in one of the priestly positions that I might eat a piece of bread. Major, major, major implications here with the son of David, one of the flesh. I should say the sons of David. One of them is of the flesh, and that's Solomon. And these are things that we're going to study when we get into the kings. One of flesh in Solomon and one of promise, the Christ, Mashiach, Messiah. And we come to the end of our study, but we'll close today's study with the prayer of a most beautiful woman, Mama Hannah. Mama Hannah. And it's something we've read already in verse 8, and we'll read it again. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory to the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.